This is the Alpaca Podcast for all things alpaca. If you're an owner, a soon-to-be owner, a want-to-be owner, or are just alpaca mad or love the fleece, welcome to the Alpaca Tribe. I'm Steve Hetherington. Hi, Steve here, and welcome to the podcast for alpaca people. So good to see you again. So I do remember that I owe you a story from last week, from Jeremiah. So his new arrival story. So that's coming a bit later. I haven't forgotten. And I'm delighted to say that while spring hasn't arrived yet, there's a definite bumping up of the edges of two seasons. Do you like it when the seasons change? I think I do. And there's a slight change coming and the edges are just touching the the really cold to the really sunny and there's just something. The shift in colour in the grass and the trees, the tips of the, the branches of the trees just reddening up. And the birds are singing. They're all going crazy. And we've had Canada geese in, had a bunch of them. It's not here yet. I know that. Just touching. And then there seems to be like it's an overlap and they, they interleave, don't they? So you've got a bit of winter still comes back now and again, but you're getting a, a shift from one to the other, which is wonderful. So, hey, I'm feeling positive. <laughs> it's getting lighter in the evenings when I'm feeding the alpacas, and it's not quite as wet and quite as cold as it has been. So I'm happy. If you're getting started with alpacas or want to get better uh, as an alpaca shepherd, what are some of the core skills that you need? The specifics on this are many and varied. So you've got things like uh, not getting spat at too much, moving alpacas from A to B without going through C, D, E, F before you get back to B. <laughs> We've all been there. Trimming toenails so that the alpacas feel like they've been to a spa at a pedicure as a treat rather than 12 rounds with Mike Tyson. Has anyone actually lasted that long? I'm not sure. Opening mouths to check teeth and gums and holding an alpaca steady without wrangling or strangling them. These are all important skills, I think you'll agree, but maybe there are some foundational skills that we can get working with now. So I offer you three areas which will help you be a better alpaca shepherd. First one, making decisions. <laughs> okay, some of these things will transfer into life as well. That's a good one, isn't it? I, are you a good decision maker? I'm not sure I am. I like to think a lot. I like to weigh up all the options. Uh, that's called hiding. It's called prevaricating. It's called procrastination. Oh, it's a natural tendency I've got that I like to I mm, I like to be right or I don't like to be wrong. Two sides of the same coin, I know. But therefore, I like to weigh things up first. I like to think about it. Sometimes <laughs> indecision leads to the decision being taken out of my hands. Ah, that's better. I don't have to make a decision. Circumstances have taken over. This is not a good way to operate, is it? No, I know that. I know, I know, I know. So I'm working on it. And I think with alpacas, making decisions is a really key skill to be able to have. Is this alpaca okay? Does it need the vet? What can we do 
to help move things in the right direction. What's the the best thing to do at this point? Do I move them today? Do I move them now? Do I do all those kind of things that you've got to be able to weigh up? For many things, I think deciding in advance is a good idea. <laughs> okay, let me explain that. So if it's something that needs to be done, so like worming, you make the decision that every six months you're going to worm them or that you take fecal samples and get them tested. And if there are signs of worms, then you worm. So that relies on a bit of organization, quite a bit of organization, taking the samples, getting them sent off, getting them analyzed, make sure they're doing the right test, and then following up and doing the appropriate treatment if if necessary. So that's an example of something you can decide in advance. You don't have to work it out. You know it's in the diary, it's in the calendar. You get a reminder, this is the month, this is the week, this is... You don't have to tie yourself down to a day, but on a regular basis, you're actually doing that. That's one example of being able to make a decision in advance. So I don't have to decide because it's already decided. I've already set what it is I'm going to do. And I just have to make sure that I follow through and actually do it. But the other things, when you don't know what to do, you need to know how to come to a decision when you can't decide. Why Why is it that you're putting this thing off? Can you get behind that? In my case, it would often be a fear of making a mistake, getting it wrong. So is there a way of getting past that? How do you know what to do? Well, over time, you learn and you gain more confidence. And that's one of the big things that I, I want to be doing through the podcast here is trying to give you more confidence. Not too much confidence. Don't want you overconfident, but definitely want you to be able to be more confident. And that takes time and experience. That's okay. The other thing then is to know when you're out of your depth and when to ask for help. That's a good thing to know. So you you clear when it is that you can ask somebody else that there's WhatsApp groups or Facebook groups or phone the vet, have a conversation to be clear what it is that you should be doing in this particular case. So think about it in, in advance make the decision, know when you're out of your depth and ask for help. There's a couple of ideas in terms of making decisions. But I think this thing of, of being able to make decisions, that sounds like something that would be valuable to us. How do you make a decision? And so I'll leave that for you to think about your homework for this week. Have a, have a think about the kind of decisions that you struggle with and maybe try and identify what it is that's the problem there and see if there's ways that you can help balance that up. So it's making decisions. Second area is seeing and understanding what's going on. I think this is a good skill to develop. Can you read a field? Can you tell what's happening in terms of your animals? Can you understand the behavior that you're seeing and what might be happening that's causing that? So it could be that it's to do with the weather. It could be to do with some sickness or, or injury. So first thing is to, to have the skill or the habit of watching, noticing things out of the corner of your eye, but also giving clear attention to a particular animal. Are they okay? What's going on? Is this normal? So that's you're, you're watching these things and you're then in making the interpretation. And some of that, you've got a question rather than an answer. So the question is, they don't see themselves today. Are we clear why? Noticing something and then looking for understanding about what's going on. 
So that's the second area. First one is making decisions. Second, seeing and understanding what's going on. Third one is how are you going to learn? How to learn? What's your preferred style of learning? I think for most people, it's helpful to see something done, to be involved in being able to ask the question, why? (laughs) Okay, that's what you do. But getting behind that to the why Why do you do that? Why do you do it that way? Why is it better to do it this way? Why do we move animals into a space where it's, they're contained, where it's a small space? With alpacas, it makes so much (laughs) sense to do that because they can't run away from you. You need to work in a small space. Catch pens are perfect. You know, that's one of my favorite things to have is a catch pen. So catch pen created from hurdles, not cheap hurdles, which are too low, but alpaca hurdles, which are taller, about four feet high. And they link together. You've got a catch pen. You can get the animals in there. You can filter the ones out you don't need, but you've got the ones that you do need to give attention to. And then you can spend some time with them and work out what's what's happening. But learning how to do that. So what's what's the learning style that you have? Seeing it done and then having it go Knowing where to go for questions to be answered. We've already talked about that in terms of the uh, making decisions. Is this alpaca okay? Do I need to take any action now? That's a good question to ask. And then how will you learn? Well, you ask people and you get the answer. You learn from experience. But it takes time. So find someone you can talk to. Find someone who can help you with the answers. Find someone you can trust. Another breeder. The place you got your animals from in the first place. Other breeders that you know in the area, maybe a, a, a breed society group locally. Maybe you talk to people at either conferences if you go or to shows if you go to shows. So there are places you can go to see people, to connect with people, to have a point of reference. There are also some books around, certainly the vet. If you can develop a relationship with your vet, that would be a good thing to be able to develop intentional learning. So there are some foundations, making decisions, seeing and understanding what's going on and knowing how to learn. I'm sure we'll come back to those in the future and see what else we can find. If you've got any thoughts, what do you think would be good foundations for alpaca shepherds? What do they need to know? What would you like to know? Let me know. Steve at alpacatribe.com. Love to hear from you. And now we have that new arrival story from Jeremiah. This is a kind of an interesting, fun story is that I have a brother that works for animal control for the city of Los Angeles. He was at the time, I think, in the close to the downtown LA station, which is very, 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 very urban, right? You would not imagine there would be anything ever like a pig there, but he called and said somebody had surrendered a pig. And uh, we said, well, what kind of pig? He says, well, it's a cooney cooney pig. Said, okay. He says, if you want to adopt it, like you need to come down and, you, you know, you could be first in line, you know, kind of thing. So we said, all right, you know what? Let's do that. I talked to Sarah <laughs> and she gave, she gave, well, she gave me the look that she gave me with the alpacas, which is, I know we're going to have, like, you're going to end up like just pushing this anyway. So just go ahead and get the pig. So right. I, I could not make it down. And so I, I had talked to my mom and she said, well, hey, you know what? I have my truck. I can go down and get it. And then I can just bring them out to you. That sounds great. So I said, do you have a carrier? Because I'm thinking, 
I've seen some Cooney Cooney pigs and they weren't that big, small, you know, like a large dog. So she says, Oh yeah, I got the, I got the large carrier. I'll go down and get it. So that's fine. I, uh, I talked to her a couple of hours later. She says, Hey, something came up. I have the pig in the truck. I, I can meet you at, you know, this, at this location. Says, okay. All right. Fine. So I, I hop in my truck as I'm driving. She calls and she says, well, I should have told you, we'll probably have to switch vehicles and I'll take your truck. I said, well, why? She goes, I'll show you when you get here. So I get there and I, I look in the back of the truck and I see that the, the, the dog crate is there, but there's nothing in it. Right. And I think, well, that's weird. So I, I get up to the truck and I say, well, where's the pig? And she says, it's in the back seat. I said, the back seat. And so I open the truck, the back truck door and there is probably a 300 plus pound pig right. uh, laying on the back seat asleep. And I said, okay, I got lots of questions. <laughs> she says, he was waiting. Way too big to fit in the dog crate. I said, yeah. well, yeah, I could see that. Uh, I said, uh, how did you even get him in here? She says, oh, it took uh, about three or four guys to get him into the back of the truck. I said, well, I don't know if you noticed, but there's only one of me, and I don't even know how I'm going to get this out. She says, well, I, I, don't, I don't know. I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll think of something. Food. Food. <laughs> yes. Well, the problem, though, is, is the truck is pretty high off the ground. So yeah, I thought, yeah. well, how am I going to get him? down so by the time i got to the house i said i think i have an idea i think i'm going to take a a two by six board and i'm going to put it as a ramp and i'm going to put food down the ramp and get him to come out <laughs> so sure enough that did work and and so we got him down but then the problem was trying to get him into the pen he had zero interest <laughs> so in in, 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 uh. in that week of jeremiah gives his neighbors a show uh they got to watch me try to wrangle this pig to get him into the pig pen and him scream like I'm trying to make him into bacon. And uh, I I had not ever experienced that. And that was something that was uh, very eye-opening was how loud a pig can be. Uh, that would be one thing. Absolutely. How stubborn, how stubborn a pig can be with not motivated. Yeah. And how fast. <laughs> and how fast. And uh, so I eventually did get him in there, and he's been a, a great addition to the to the farm, and uh, people love to come over, and he's super friendly. And in fact, our, our shearers, uh, bringing back to alpaca, you know, the yeah. angle is uh, also trim hooves and things. So, so oh, they uh, they help trim. That was also an experience. Uh, so you know, kind of our first <laughs> shearing experience when we first out yeah. got alpacas. That was really interesting and fascinating. I seeing somebody try to flip a pig. The trim hooves is <laughs> it was fascinating, and they're smart. They they are very smart. Are. Sometimes alpacas might be wary of something that maybe they've you've got them one way before, but to me yeah. they seem to forget. You know, enough time goes by, they don't seem to associate it. The pig's a different story. Once we tried to flip him once, and it didn't take. He was not going to come anywhere near us, no matter what we tried. We we put food, his favorite stuff, treats, all sorts of stuff. Nope. Like I, I may be food motivated, but I'm not that food motivated. It's kind of the, uh, the, the thing we got. So, oh, funny, uh, very funny to, to kind of see that. Yeah, and whereas alpacas have um, uh, great eyesight, you know, they they seem to see a mile away. Absolutely, yeah. Pig has terrible eyesight, but his hearing and and his smell obviously is good. But he will. It, it is funny. The alpacas tend to see me come out first, and they will perk up. The goats will see yeah. the alpacas perk up. <laughs> And they start making noise. The pig will hear the goats, and then he yeah. starts making noise. At which point, usually the chickens and the ducks we have all start going too. So it is very funny that a chain reaction of farm noises 
if the alpacas don't see you, I said, you usually get out in the yard and, and, and get you somewhere. And if the goats happen to see you, but I said, but the alpacas will always see you first. And the goats are always keyed in on the alpacas for anything that's unusual that it gets them to stand up and, yeah. and follow. The what are you looking at? Well, what, what, are you, what are you looking at? And, and, yeah. and, and the goats are always hungry, no matter what. That, that's another funny thing, right? Is the, the goats, no matter what's going on, the, you know, the alpacas will be hungry. They'll eat. Yeah. And they maybe browse throughout the day on whatever's left. But, but the goats, I could throw a bale in. They need it. I throw another bale in. They need it. They would just eat and eat and eat. So it's a very yeah. funny kind of uh, dichotomy there. Well, I guess the size of the pig suggests that was the reason that it got surrendered. <laughs> I think what they said was that the people were moving. But I think the part of the story I couldn't quite wrap my head around is I didn't know where they kept it. But I thought they said at some point that they were in an apartment at one point. And I thought, I cannot imagine having this pig without, like, I mean, He's very relaxed. I mean, he, like you said, he's very friendly. I mean, it's not like it's a, a problem, but just the sheer size of it, I'm just going, this is crazy. Like, well, and, and I kind of think too, like, well, that seemed too fair. I mean, you know, I, I had a lot of my friends out here were like, oh, so, so you're, you're, you're raising hogs. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is a pet. Like, I'm, so we named him. So if you're familiar with Star Wars, there's a character, uh, Boba Fett. We named him <laughs> Boba Fett. That's what go. we named him. So, so, so. so uh, I said, I said he's got a name, and my my son Micah was so excited to have this pig. I, I have all these pictures of him when that pig got there, and he's just hugging this pig, and he it was like, this yeah. pig is my friend. That's it. So once so, it's got no, a name, he's, he's a family member. No. He's not. And once you've got some animals around, you seem to find ways of adding to them. Whether that's adding more alpacas or adding things like pigs. We've had pigs in the past. We had some Oxford Sandy and Black, and they were wonderful. I really like pigs. Uh, the alpacas, mm, do you know, these pigs were really thirsty. I, I couldn't work out what was going on. And they had an electric fence around the, the little spots. I was moving them to try and clear bracken off a hillside. But but the the water tank that I had there, sort of a trough, but big, full of water, heavy, they can't tip it over. But when it gets low, empty, they can tip it over and they got this metal tank going on to the electric fence and it runs the battery down and the pigs escape and they run around. So that was interesting. And that was strange. They seemed to be very thirsty. Couldn't work out why. And then one day I discovered the alpacas. Uh, there was one of the alpacas reaching over, leaning over, because it was right by the fence, leaning over the, the electric fence with all their fleece they didn't get zapped. But they leaned over the fence and they were drinking all this water. They thought it was for them. Everything's for them. Whatever you put down, the alpacas think it's for them. So they're drinking all this water and letting the pigs escape. So, dear, dear. But, uh, yeah, they got on okay. But, yeah, pigs are nice. I like pigs. But I love alpacas. Okay, thanks for being here. Hope you have a good week. Take care and see you again soon. And if you can, go spend some time with an alpaca or a pig. Bye for now. This is the Alpaca Tribe, and I'm Steve Hetherington. Have a great day.